Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Being Whole podcast. I'm so excited that you're here this week. I have a wonderful conversation with my friend, Tracy. We talk all about different facets of life and how you can manage and get through. Tracy Nefford is the training and development manager for Schlitterbahn, New Braunfels, and Galveston. Tracy and his husband, Derek, live in New Braunfels, Texas. Tracy's passions are team building, spending time with family and his dogs, and gardening. Using personal experiences and the journey that comes with being a leader, Tracy dives deeper into small town Texas, the loneliness of being a leader, and how to ground yourself when your world can't seem to stop spinning. You can contact Tracy on LinkedIn or through Instagram. And the thing I'm really loving about all of these conversations is that even though everyone is coming from different walks of life and has different experiences, every single person has given us tips and tools and tricks as for how we can go forward, live authentically, find peace and have balance in our lives. So I hope you love this conversation with Tracy today and thank you so much for listening. Hello everyone. Today I'm here with my friend Tracy Nefford and Tracy is going to just share with us some experiences that he has had and tell us a little bit about how he keeps himself whole. Right Tracy? That's what you're here for? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm so excited to see you and I just can't wait to hear what you're going to share with us. So, you know, tell everyone, give us a little bit of background of, you know, who you are, where you're from and what your story is. Sure. Well, I am from a little small town in Texas, uh, Seguin, Texas, and um, I grew up there, born and raised and uh, went to Seguin High School, go Matadors. Um, (laughs) And pretty much soon after that, I kind of let my my wings spread and uh, got as far away as I could. And a lot of my experiences that I will talk about has actually brought me back to the area and the places that I am and being comfortable being back in South Texas and just enjoying my life here. Um, I I currently work for Schlitterbahn Water Parks and I've worked here for 14 years. I started here as just a lifeguard in 2006 and worked my way up in the company. Um, I've had some amazing opportunities in our operations department here to leave the nest and I worked in Hawaii for a little bit for a couple of years as a director of operations for a water park there. Um, I worked at Disney World uh, in the aquatics and recreation department there and kind of slowly through my leadership and the in development through those roles I kind of honed in on what I really wanted to focus on and that was being able to build relationships and to be able to train people and to make them successful And so I was recruited to come back to Schlitterbahn and um, I've had the opportunity to move out of operations and into human resources, training and development and worked for the Schlitterbahn corporate office for about a year. And uh, now we've been acquired by a new company and I've been in the leadership and development team for two and a half years under uh, our new Cedar Fair company that bought us. And um, something that, that I, that I would like to talk about is the, the loneliness of being a leader and the revolving door that, that it is when you are someone that inspires and develops and how that also has uh, played into my personal life when it comes to friendships and relationships. 
Oh goodness. Yes. I'm here for all of that. That's such a, I mean, you have so many things too. I mean, obviously I want to talk about like what sparked you to want to leave the nest and come back as you said, but just how you just said that the loneliness of being a leader. I mean, I think there's so many things there that could come up for people who, like you say, you're inspiring people and you're getting them to a certain point and then they kind of leave mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're still there. So yes. Oh my goodness. I'm so curious to hear. So wherever you want to go with that, you want to talk first about leaving or do you want to start with the leadership piece? Uh, I can start with leaving. I'm, I mean, I lived in a small town and I am a gay man in South Texas. So that, that has its challenges in and of itself but uh, living in an area or living in a time where um, it's hard to, it was hard to accept that or to be able to um, portray that. Also, am I gonna be a disappointment? So it was great being able to leave and kind of find myself. And thankfully my, my parents and my brother have been amazing through my entire life. So there was never really a worry there, but having the opportunity to leave and kind of be, become whole myself, become the true version of myself that I am, uh, really kind of sparked my, um, kind of just sparked the avenues that I started going down and the path that has led me to where I am today. So do you think like then that exploration, like you just said, it allowed you to find your own individuality and to really be yourself authentically in that space, I think, you know, college or moving away for people in a variety of senses, it really does give you that opportunity to kind of find yourself and know yourself as your own unit, as opposed to finding yourself through the eyes of other people or the people who've known you your whole life or whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about this a lot before and in reading your book, when you think about trauma and I think about to living in Seguin, I associate that with a lot of trauma and bullying going from all the way from elementary school all the way up through high school. And so I've always associated Seguin with people just being awful and mean and, and it was was very isolating. So being able to, to leave and to go off and to find myself and not be scared of opinions, or if someone was going to yell something at me from across the hallway or at a store or something was, was liberating and also allowed me to develop myself. So, you know, you say that like that it's hard not to associate those feelings with that place then, because especially at that time when you were, you know, growing up and you were living there, those were your experiences. And obviously hopefully things have progressed and changed since then, but like what even allowed you the ability to kind of come back to the area, given that it was something where you're finding yourself elsewhere, you're kind of able to be yourself what made you decide it was okay or it was time or you were ready? You know, I, um, it's interesting because as I started hitting like my five years after high school and beyond that, being out of college, um, those people that were those same bullies or whatever we want to call them, all of a sudden it's like they forgot that they even did that or it was even a part of their life. Maybe they matured, maybe they grew up. And so uh, like going to like a class reunion, a five-year reunion, it's like these people forgot that they were awful to me and all of a sudden I was normal. And I guess that created a sense of, of comfort coming back, knowing that I didn't have to fear these people or fear being back in my community. Um, I did, I do live close to my hometown, but I don't live in my hometown uh, just because 
where I live has a much better um, social lifestyle that that I'm looking for. Um, but also, I think um, meeting my current husband really gave me the 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 courage to just be able to be myself and also know that I have someone right there by my side to help me through things if they get rough. And also, it's just kind of like a middle finger to the world. Like I don't I don't care what people think anymore because I'm willing to bet that I'm a little bit more successful and happier and fulfilled in my life with my husband than the the people that cause trauma in my life are currently. And I think that that's what, you know, you being able to recognize, you know, that your happiness is, is not dependent on other people and your happiness is stemming from the things that you're choosing and living your true self, living out what it is that you want to be and who you are and being able to share that with Derek in such a beautiful way is really, you know, I just, every time I see you, I think that you're flourishing more and more. And I really think it is this um, space you've come into where you are, you're able to be yourself in an authentic way without kind of that weight of other people's judgment sitting over you or hanging over you, or at least that's what it feels like from my perspective. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And it's okay. And I also have to say, you said my current husband, I feel like Derek would be like your only husband ever. (laughs) You are right. So I would like to put that. You are right. One one and only. There has not been one before. And and I, and he, and he jokes with me. He's like, if I die, you can't even look at another man for a whole year. So I'm assuming there will not be one after, even if we're really old. Yeah. He will haunt you. No, just <laughs> you say that, but he has also threatened me with that. And those threats work. Um, so I love that you have found such a wonderful person and that you two have shared such a wonderful relationship. And I think that that has also then really encouraged you to blossom in your career. Like you were saying, I think about the huge steps that you've taken and the ways that you've kind of flourished and taken on different roles. And it's been amazing to see you, you know, feeling supported in one area, I think just allows you to be, you know, take more leaps and to take other steps in other areas too, because you kind of feel like you're held and somebody's got your back a little bit. Yeah, he he's a very quiet person, which you know he can be very quiet. But as soon as someone messes with me or or if uh, I'm upset, he is he is on fire more than more than I usually could ever be. <laughs> but I think it's it really speaks to the idea, you know, for everyone. Like when you feel like you are supported, or when you have somebody who's in your corner it's like it also then does free up kind of some energy for you to do other things, you know, because you're like, okay, this person has my back. So maybe this other thing over here feels a little scary, but yet I have somebody here who's in my corner. So I'm just going to go for it. You know, like you deciding to move to Hawaii to take on this new leadership role, you know, you deciding then to, okay, come back and step into a new space and human resources. I mean, all of those things, they sound like glamorous or fun or exciting, you know, who doesn't (laughs) move to Hawaii, but like, that's not really what that looks like on the day to day. (laughs) You know, when, when we moved to Hawaii, Derek gave up his career to move there with me so I could pursue that. And Cassandra, we were so poor in Hawaii. It is extremely expensive to live there. So I had a great job. He had nothing lined up. And we joke about this all the time. The fact that we could make it through, we were in Hawaii about two and a half years, but our first year we were broke as a joke. And we lived off Caesar salad 
and like you know like the dollar packet of like um of like powdered potatoes I would make like potato pancakes out of that and we would have Caesar salad we're like if we can make it through the Caesar salad phase of our of our relationship there's nothing that we can't do and still I mean and you usually when you go through moments like that you're like oh I'll never eat that again but everywhere we go that's what Derek goes for Caesar salad so um again it it does on paper it looks like a very glamorous trajectory that we went on as a as a couple as our careers and where we are now but those rough times really solidified our our relationship and uh being so poor in a beautiful place it we had to be creative on things that we did and a lot of it was just us spending time together and finding new ways to to explore and enjoy each other because we didn't have the resources to go out and live this glamorous lifestyle. You know, I think that that in some ways though, it, it speaks again to your relationship and your willingness to just really explore that together with what that looked like, because not only is it, you know, you weren't living a glamorous lifestyle, you were very isolated. So it really was the two of you really in it with each other. Of course, you could speak to friends and family and things like that, but you weren't like you could hop in a car and just go see anyone. And so just even like you say, having to kind of peel back some of the layers of other distractions or other things that we kind of busy ourselves from really, I think, opened up a different space for your, your relationship, or it took you on a growth trajectory that might have taken longer had you not had that experience, too. And, you know, it's, I think about it, and all, all good things and bad things happen for a reason. And it, I was so blessed that he gave up everything to go over there with me. But at the end of the day, he ended up with the better job and the better experience. <laughs> and, and the reason we came back was because he was recruited to come back. And so I was giving up everything. Thankfully, opportunity fell into my lap like a week after we decided that we were packing up and moving uh, back to Texas. But um, it's just crazy how, how those things happen in that give and take in the end we've both been rewarded for the sacrifices that we've made. Yeah. Well, I think because you also, when you were making those sacrifices, you know, it was very conscious and intentional of what decision you were going to make for each other. It wasn't a like, oh, I'll do this for you. And then, but I'm secretly going to be resentful and bring it mm -hmm. up. And it, it wasn't that way. And then I think that that, you know, so both of you were open to the idea that new opportunities and experiences would be there. And that's what's so cool about your career is that, yeah, it's taking itself into a completely different trajectory than what you probably might have chosen had you just stayed or had you not explored some of these other things. So, okay, what is that? I want to really get into this space where you said being a leader is lonely. Like, so you're in this leadership role, like talk to me a little bit about that and what you meant. So when I was reflecting about what we would talk about, because, you know, I was nervous about coming on here and not having a script or knowing what I was going to say, I, I was really trying to be introspective to where my career has gone and the people that I've interacted with. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about uh, when I started leadership positions in 2007, um, I've started to realize that it's this revolving door and you... Uh, whatever position you're in, you're under, you have certain people that are under you. And my goal and objective is to make them the best that they can be. 
in, in a business like the one that I work for currently, typically that is someone that only comes in and works for a few months and then goes. So that was expected. But as, as I started moving up and I started having full-time employees work for me or more long-term uh, associates work under me and me having to develop and train them, I mean, there comes a time where uh, there, unfortunately due to business structures that people can peak and they've gotten what they've wanted out of it. Or my, my goal, whenever I have someone work under me is to train them to do my job or to train them to go off and do something better than what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. So again, it's that expected part of it, but there's just that little piece inside of you that's like, this person's going to stay with me forever. I'm never going to lose them. They're always going to work for me. They're always going to be here. And so you start developing that relationship and that bond and you get to know them personally. You get to know their families. You get to know their friends. Uh, just because I, I like to go all in to, to get to know yeah. the people that work for me because, again, having vested interest in a person and giving gen just genuine kindness to them is going to make them a better leader and worker for you. But then there comes that point where they give you that letter and it's like, I have a better opportunity. Here's my two weeks notice. It's been amazing. And you live out that two weeks and then they go, you may text or call a little bit, give them some advice when they get in their new position. But nine times out of 10, a few months or a year after that person doesn't need you anymore as their mentor. You got them to where they needed to be, but it's almost like going through a, break, a breakup, like an amicable breakup, and you, you don't have that continual interaction. And then you, you bring someone else new in and you start that process all over, but it becomes lonely because you, you build these relationships with them. And, and maybe in their mind, they see the, the sadness of it also, the bittersweet sadness of, of losing that. But I also feel like they're on the, they're on the, I mean, I'm on the positive end because I made, I changed someone, but they're on the positive end because they furthered themselves and they saw, mm -hmm. I don't want to say they saw me as a step because that sounds so like, sounds like it's, you're stepping on someone, but not, but they, they're off doing these great things now and they got what they needed from you, which is perfectly fine. But as someone that's managing that revolving door and training people and making them better and getting them out, it's, it can be a little sad and lonely. And I, I don't know if you're ready for this, but I, I also started thinking into my, my personal relationships that throughout my life, because of being younger and being a supervisor here, having that mix of friend and work, um, I've kind of seen that revolving door also with friendships and relationships. Like I will meet great friends when I was in college or when I was at Disney or other places and I become great friends with them. And then I will introduce them to like another certain group and then they form these relationships and then they're off in their group and I've, I'm kind of back away from that group. And yeah. it's just interesting how that's in my professional and in my personal life that I feel like I'm this wayfinder for, for people yeah. to find their place. But again, it can be kind of lonely sometimes to Yeah, to it's like, it's so interesting, Tracy, that you brought this up because just this week, I've really kind of reflected on some of my, my job at, at Texas State and teaching and things. And now it's a little different there because I know my students are going to leave after a semester, right? So I do have them. I don't think they're going to be with me forever unless it's a couple of classes. 
But I realized I was like, sometimes I feel so stuck or I feel like, okay, why, you know, I love my students. I love this space, but why do I feel stuck? And what I realized is it's like, I'm facilitating their growth and I'm so there for it. Like I love being in the classroom with them and seeing them grow and seeing them do that next step and everything. But yeah, then they go and they do the thing and I'm still right here. Yep. And I'm like, you know, feeling like, but I want to go, I want to go, I'm still here. And, and they do keep up with me or whatever. And I love that. I love that space. I love that. Then I get to do it again. And, you know, I've had this opportunity to help thousands of people literally develop and become more self-aware and have better relationships and all this stuff. But then I, I come back. So I understand what you're saying that it's lonely or it's, it feels like then, okay, now what do I do for me? Or where do, where do I, Mm -hmm. where am I in this? I know what I did for other people, or I know how I helped other people's growth. And I know that helped me too. And it felt good, but then like, okay, now what it's left, it's left with, you're left kind of like with this, like leftover feeling of like, what do I do, you know, with myself now, or what do I do with that space that they were Mm -hmm. filling? And I, it's interesting that you said that it happens in your um, personal relationships too, because I think you are such a facilitator of growth and development that you do. You encourage people to go do these other things without then also it's like stepping back and recognizing, okay, but what do I want for my own growth and development and my my relationships and my personal self? Because you're so used to doing that for other people Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's like almost a step back and realizing, okay, well, what, how do I do that for myself now? Or what do I need to do to get me to feel that all the time without those other people? You know, I, I've been going through a season right now yeah. in my life um, where I had a, a very, an, an abnormally busy summer. I was away from home more than I was at home. Yeah. And, and I mean, Derek and I managed that well, so that, that wasn't the issue, but I was gone and I was go, 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 go. I was doing my job. I was helping out with another department at another park, uh, taking over the majority of my job and getting to know new leaders and trying to build them and manage all of this. And I was like a thousand miles per hour. I I bought a new car this summer. I put like 10,000 miles on it in just like a couple of months. So I've been all this go, go, going crazy and just some, some other like, dynamics that are happening. I get home, maybe this was a month ago. I finally got home after all of that. And it was just like, stop. And there was, it all stopped. And so it's like, whenever you're like shaking up a ball and you stop, the water keeps spinning. And so inside everything's still spinning, but outside I'm like standing in a room alone. And I'm like, I don't know what to do because my body is still trying to, to cope with all of this. Yeah. So I've really had to try to like hone in on what makes me happy. Mm. What can I do to center myself and Mm. to, to just accept that I'm not going a thousand miles per hour and that things are changing and that's okay. And for me, that's been gardening and I'm going to sound like my grandmother here for a second, (laughs) but I've started like canning vegetables and pickles and stuff like that. But, but to me, standing over a stove and doing that, it's so, it, it gives purpose to like my hands and my creativity, but it, it also just creates happiness. Like I, I was making salsa a couple of weeks ago and I was just standing over it, like making it. And like, the, it was like the first time in a few weeks, like I just felt like a relief of that stress and pressure and loneliness of, of the last couple of months and felt genuine happiness and just trying to figure out ways to get more of that. Um, yeah after that moment. 
And it's so good that you recognize how that lives in your body. You know, you just said it, that, you know, everything else around you is still, but inside it wasn't. And that's something I just was talking to my students yesterday about this. They were like, well, I feel this. And I was like, but where do you feel it in your body? And I told them this story about how, you know, like how we privilege emotions and how sometimes we'll say we feel one thing because we don't know how to really describe it. And I told them this story about Kellen, how when he was younger, when he was sad about something, I was like, Kellen, it's okay to be sad. And he's like, I'm not sad. And he was like, all, you know, despondent and upset. I'm like, it's really okay if you're sad. He's like, I'm not sad. My nose is just tingly. And it's like, you know, that feeling you get before you're going to cry. And it's like, it's that it's like, okay, yeah, bud, your, your nose is tingly because you feel like you're going to cry, but you're not sad. I get it. (laughs) But it was just like, it's just that constant reminder of like feelings showing up in different ways too, right. And recognizing what it feels like in your body, recognizing, okay, my body feels chaotic right now. So what am I going to do to ground myself? What am I going to do to understand what my needs are and where I can find that peace within? And, you know, like you say, the gardening, cooking, having purpose, moving your body in a different way, feeling like you're seeing something, you know, seeing results of something, any of those things, those are so good to like, really, again, just ground yourself, calm your nervous system and kind of bring it back to the present of where we are. And I'm really happy that you brought that up because so often people are in that, they're in that, they're in that space with their nervous system and they don't even realize it, especially right now when there's so much more uncertainty in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I, we're all just walking around a little more triggered, you know, emotions that maybe used to be buried deep within are now like right underneath the skin, just waiting to come out, you know? So I really think it's amazing that you, you recognize that that was happening and now finding space for that. But that recognition doesn't mean mean it's easy, right? I mean, nope. that's lonely and hard and sometimes just really also difficult because you can look at your life and be like, I don't know what I need or I don't know what I want or I don't know how to get that or I don't know really what it looks like. So how has that process been for you? I I mean, it it was it was rough at first. And uh, I'm gonna talk about my husband again because he's so grounding, but he <laughs> I'm always, you know me, I'm always so happy. I, I feel like I, I like to call myself like a fake extrovert. Like when you put me on stage or in front of people, I'm this huge extrovert, but in reality, I like to be alone and centered for the most part, um, but still genuinely pretty happy and goofy when I'm at home. And I, when I got back from that hectic work experience, And I got home, I'm like, Derek, I am, I'm not okay. Or I'm sad or whatever. And he's like, no, you're not, you're, you're fine. And then after like a couple of days, he's like, oh yes, you are. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, it, it has been tough, but, um, his guidance and help and, and acceptance and understanding of it and being able to talk about it has helped a lot. And I mean, it's, it's not like we have these in-depth conversations about like these types of emotions, but just the recognition of it. And he's very in tune and he, if we're, he's very conscious about, are we doing something that's making you happy right now? Are you happy? And I mean, granted, he has his own stressors that he's dealing with. And so it's this ping pong back and forth of making sure that each other are okay, that have mm-hmm. um, really kind of grounded myself. And I want to say us in the last couple of weeks, because as stressful as my summer was, I mean, his was equally as stressful for different ways. So um, again, a tough journey, but 
centering ourselves and just supporting each other has really helped a lot. Hey, I hope you're loving this episode with Tracy. He has a really interesting perspective on leadership today, and I hope that you're falling in love with his personality as quickly as I did when we first became friends. I wanted to let you know that I created a guide to emotional intelligence, which is something to help your understanding about your emotions and think about learning how to regulate them. It's totally free, and I can't wait for you to check it out. You can either scroll below this episode and click the link in the show notes or head over to Instagram and DM me with the words November freebie, and I'll send you the link. I'm so grateful that you are here. And with that said, let's continue this conversation with Tracy. Well, and I think that, you know, speaking again to that support system that you provide one another, you know, and that's an intentional choice that both of you made, you know, from the very beginning of your relationship and you continue to do so. And feeling seen, heard, and valued in your relationship. I mean, there's just no way to put a value on that. It's something that, you know, when you feel that it really can help carry you through so many other things. Like you said, even if that person, even if you're not talking about things in a deep way, every single day, knowing that he's there or knowing that he is also trying to help you move through things and vice versa, that's something that, you know, again, I wish everyone had a way to find that support. And I think that that's really important for other people to look at too. Like, what is it that makes you feel supported and where can you go to get that? You know, so if you don't have one person who can do that for, you know, do you have friends who can do that in certain areas, you know, Mm -hmm. or, and so this is where, again, really recognizing what it is when, you know, what do you need? You know, so if you're a person who's sad, do you need friends to go out with, or do you need somebody to come sit with you at your house? Those are two very different things. And so even knowing what you need, then it helps you get an understanding of who to reach out to or who to ask for, right? You know, if you have a friend who always wants to go out, don't call that person to be the person to come sit with you at your house then, you know, like even choosing like who, okay, have a deep bench, have multiple people that you can go to for different things, but then know why you choose to go to certain people. Instead, I think oftentimes people will go to the same person And then they get frustrated with that person for not being able to meet their needs instead of recognizing like we have a bunch of different needs and sometimes it might be different people who bring that out of you. Um, And then also just even what you said, recognizing too where your energy comes from. I'm a huge fake extrovert, just like you, same thing. I'm always on at work, but you know, I mean, this is why we barely hang out because we're both like, like, no, let's get wine. (laughs) But we're like, I don't want to leave my... (laughs) I know it's like we have so many great ideas of all the things we want to do but then at the end of the day we both just want to be at our houses like alone (laughs) and I think like but that's okay and recognizing that that then too I think recognizing that that's what your friendships are so like recognizing that yeah you and I barely hang out but we're super close you're one of my great friends I know I can count on you and vice versa but we know that about each other. So I'm never sitting here being like, oh, Tracy never wants to go out mm-hmm. with me, da, 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 because we know each other's needs in that sense too. And so I think even just really kind of understanding who you are helps in so many different ways. Unfortunately, it takes like what you're saying, most of us, you know, we go through life and it's something happens or there's a, an event or a situation or a crisis or a stress where we're kind of forced to wake up a little bit more and be like, oh, what is this? Um, so it's kind of this continual understanding of who we are as we adapt, I guess. What, um, you know, what are the things that really, when you feel stress or when you feel like you just can't manage, 
is there something that is like your just number one go-to or is it a bunch of different things? It's going to Target alone, getting a coffee and walking around aimlessly. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that so much. Um, that's if I can't, if I can't be at home or if, if the, the mental noise is too loud at home, I know I can go to Target and just walk around and just kind of decompress and de-stress. I don't have to buy anything, but just going and sipping my coffee. It's just, it, it's such a, just such a relief. Mm -hmm. And, um, or, and this is going to sound counterproductive, but, um, I like to go to, to Landa park and I have this loop that I walk and I walk it, but I watch TikToks as I walk it. So I'm not <laughs> looking at nature. I have my, my AirPods in and I'm walking, but I'm watching TikToks and, and say what you may say about TikTok. It, it, it can be educational. It can be funny. It can be validating. And so I, it, again, it may sound counterintuitive, but it's out outside just doing something monotonous and, and also just having some entertainment um, is something else that I do. No, I totally get that. Cause there's something about being outside that takes the noise of everything else down. Like when you're in a park or in nature like that, cause it's often, I was paddleboarding one day last week and I realized I was like getting ready to leave. And I'm like, I was on my phone the whole time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like sitting on my paddleboard in the river, like just looking at my phone, looking at random stuff, like hanging out. And I hadn't even really gone anywhere, seen the river, but I was just there and it felt mm -hmm. nice. Versus like sometimes when I'm at my home, then I'm also thinking about all the other things I have to do. Maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, it, I think one of the reasons I also do it is because when I go and do that, it's, it's the same as me just wanting to be alone and to decompress. But you know how people are around our area. They want to say hi to you. They want to comment something that you're wearing or talk to you. And I want to go and I want to be alone in my own little world. So I think I do that to kind of shut out the world. And I may look crazy laughing to myself or crying <laughs> as I'm watching these TikToks or, or and, take, and walking around the park. But it is my way of shutting out the world and not having any distractions and being able to kind of recenter and not, not have to, to deal with the people that are around me. <laughs> That's so good though, to recognize that, because I think it's one of those things where really understanding where your emotional energy goes and where, you know, how, how much you have of it every single day. And I didn't realize that, you know, cause you're like me too, you know, a ton of people, so you can't even go to the grocery store without it being like a social event. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how, like at the end of the day, I'd be so exhausted and it wasn't like any of that was bad. You know, I like going to talk to people like that, but because I'm not naturally super extroverted, I, I would, I'd feel like depleted by the end of the day or else I would feel like then, yeah, what I went to land a park to do, like you're saying, I go there to walk or I go there to decompress, but you end up running into people that, you know, so then it, it it's not what you went there for. Right. Yeah. And so knowing, knowing your intention behind what you're doing too. Okay. So yep. Today, this walk is I'm going to watch TikTok and cause that's about me versus a different time when you go there and maybe you're going to like go there and you'll see people or whatever it is. So I think again, like so much of what you're saying is about recognizing where you are and then putting intention to make sure that you're honoring wherever that is for yourself on any given day. Yeah. You're so wise, Tracy. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> you know, I just, just thinking through this, I, 
going back to why we came back to, to Texas is that it was hard to access being able to be home and being in New Braunfels, our family is basically like a clock around us. So we are a center point. And that has been great also at just kind of refocusing priorities and where those lie and being able to spend a lot of time with our families that we lost for three years is has been um, has been great mentally and physically for both of us. And um, I'm, I mean, I've seen even even as an adult, it's interesting. Maybe uh, Kellen will have this too. I think y'all I think y'all are very close, but I think. I, I was kind of like him when I was younger, where I was kind of more re recluse and like, oh, I'm a teenager. Yeah. And and it's interesting that now as a 30-something, we're not going to go into details, but a 30-something-year-old <laughs> man, I spend more time with my family now than I ever did when I was in my 20s or, or less. And that's been really great for, it's just been really great to, to, to have that. And like my parents are more like my friends. I have a great stepbrother, my brother and his wife and kids, and just being able to spend time with them. And Derek's brothers are just an hour away and Derek's parents are a few hours away. And that's been really centering and great and um, a lot better than having to fly for 12 hours to, to be able to see yeah. people. Yeah. And just being mature enough to, to be around family and enjoy it and, and just yeah. have great experiences with them you just said you know yeah being mature enough and being able to also you know show up because you're showing up as who you are now and you're able to be there that was something that came up just in class last week you know I'm teaching family communication right now and you know students were saying how like some of them it's, it's just uncomfortable right now to go home because mm -hmm. they can't be themselves and you remember that space too right especially when you're kind of going through a lot of self-discovery and you're trying to bridge this person that you were versus this person you're becoming sometimes people who've known you for a really long time are still hanging on to the person they think you were right and yep. so like you're saying now going back you're in this space of this is who I am and your family's there and it's this different kind of space even though they have always been accepting and loving to you but it's still just a different type of relationship you get to have when you've kind of moved through some of that and you're showing up here's who we all are now here's what our lives look like and let's just kind of cherish each other for where we are and that's a, a, a much different space to get to too, which brings you some deeper love and support and contentment too. Yeah, you know, it was my stepdad's birthday a, a week or so ago. And I posted, I we went uh, on a vacation this summer and I have a bunch of pictures that I didn't share from it. And I shared a picture of it um, on Facebook. And he told me the other night at dinner, he's like, that was a great picture you posted of me uh, for, for my birthday. And he's like, he's like, I look very like stoic. And I was like, yeah, but I said, if you look at it, you can see the look in your eyes. And it's like that look that every like proud parent has. And I was like, you were overlooking your family and you were just fulfilled with joy. And like, that's the look that you have is joy and pride. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And oh, I think I it's that. just great to be able to cherish those moments. I love that. And I love that you captured that and recognized that that's what that look was then too. You know, I think it's, that's, you know, something that's so important too, is just being able, everything that you've said, you know, even about you and Derek and now your family too, it's just like really finding ways to get to a point where you can show up for each other and just be there as who you are. 
and then just love each other for wherever you're at and whatever, you know, you have going on. And I think it's amazing the way that you, um, are kind of fostering these relationships now in a different way. And you and Derek are fostering them in a different way as a couple too, with both of your families. And I think the reason I bring that up is because you've handled so many of these transitions with, you know, with what seems from the outside, such grace and such ease. And I think that I really want to speak to that because so many people, I think that, you know, they think change has to be all be bad or the changing family structures or even just relationships that that has to always be difficult. But I think, again, back to the ways that you really wanted to make this work and you talked about the different places and how this would look like and what does this mean for our families or what does this mean for everyone and really just being honest with each other about how you wanted it to look for your life. I think was so such a good thing that you've done. And I I think I take a lot of that after my parents and my parents are divorced. um, But uh, at lunch on Sunday, my mom was talking about my dad and she's like, she's like, I still love your dad. We're great friends. And my, my mom said, I'm lucky that Howard, who's my stepdad is cool with your dad being around and hanging around with all of us. And my, my dad's wife actually passed away from COVID in, in May. And um, even before that, I mean, my parents have been amicable and everything has been great, but um, just that it's ever flowing, ever changing. It's that acceptance and love that my parents have shown and them being able to be around each other and make those memories together with all of us as kids and just setting a great example for us has really kind of driven a lot of my values um, that I try to live with every day. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so excited that we actually got a chance to kind of talk about some of these things and to go through just, you've had so many different experiences that I think, you know, the things here you said, anybody can really learn from, you know, finding ways to calm yourself and recenter. And just also, you know, you kept speaking about really finding yourself and learning your needs and being able to find people who support you in that. Um, Are there other things that you want to talk about before we sign off for today or anything else that you are excited to share? Um, I don't, I don't think so, except since, since we're being recorded and we can hold ourselves accountable, uh, come over sometime and I'll show you my garden. And okay. we'll, we'll have a glass of wine and we can sit on my porch and we'll, we'll finally, we will finally do it. Okay. We do need to do that. And I like it. Can it just be you and I and nobody else and no loud noise? And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, no. Derek, Derek would be upset if you came over and no, he Derek wasn't there, gets to so. be there. Derek gets to be there. But yes, that would actually be really fun. And so honestly, we used to can things growing up too. So maybe I can like go back to my roots a little bit and we can can some vegetables. Oh, or I something. love that. <laughs> and maybe uh, we can make a Caesar salad for Derek. There we go. There we go. It's perfect. It's perfect. Well, I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk. We'll have to have Derek on here too. We should have done a joint interview with you. Maybe that'll be next time. Maybe. Um, Is there (laughs) anything you want to share with anybody where they can find you, any places you want to point them to or things that you want them to look up or? You you know, I, I just kind of live my life freely. If you feel like seeing what I'm doing in my life at Tracy Nefford on Instagram can see what I'm up to, but Besides that, not really. If you just want to reach out, you can get me there or just reach out to Cassandra and she can give you my phone number. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything today, Tracy. I'm really glad that you were here for this conversation. And yes, we are definitely going to get together for some canning and gardening and a little bit of wine drinking too, probably. (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Tracy. Here's some of my favorite takeaways from the conversation with Tracy. Detaching from all that you've known and exploring a new chapter in life is sometimes the perfect way to learn to live in your own skin and be confident in who you truly are as you are on your journey of self-discovery. Remembering the low or perceived challenging times can help you feel strength moving forward. If we can make it through the Caesar salad chapter, we can make it through anything. When you are isolated with people who care and support you, it opens up such a beautiful opportunity for you to grow together and strengthen your relationship. As a leader, nurture your employees or downline to either be skilled enough to do your job or to go off and do something incredible down the road. Having sincere intentions, but knowing that many will move on eventually is a beautiful foundation. In work and friendship, it can sometimes feel like a revolving door. And it can feel lonely to know that others will not always be a lifelong connection. It takes a lot of strength to pour love into others while also letting them evolve and venture away from what you had together. Be mindful of where you feel your feelings in your body. Identify where it is and take the steps to ground yourself. Doing this consistently, you'll fight to start to notice patterns that arise and be quicker to pull into your tools to recenter again. Having rhythms to decompress is really helpful, like walking aimlessly through Target, sipping coffee, taking laps in a park, watching TikToks, or sitting on a paddleboard in the river playing on your phone. Allowing yourself to just kind of check out and quiet the noise from life around you and be entertained is a great way to reset. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm so grateful that you pressed play and joined us. I hope you join us again next week for another new episode of Being Whole. Bye-bye.